Welcome to the Straight Talk on Fleet podcast with Aaron Gilchrist. Each week, Aaron will be breaking down fleet management, trying to cut through the noise and get down to the real issues safety and operations leaders are struggling with every day. The goal will be to get to the bottom of how leaders can break down these silos of information, accelerate change management, how to use real-time accurate data to drive massive efficiencies across fleet-focused business processes, and to elevate people's careers with emerging best practices. Now it's time for the Straight Talk on Fleet. Hello again, Fleet community. We are back for another episode of the Straight Talk on Fleet. I am Erin Gilchrist Drug and the VP of Fleet Evangelism at IntelliShift. So I love that title. So fun. And on my podcast, I try to be your objective and reliable source of information for our fleet ecosystem based on my experience that comes from managing an enterprise fleet for a long time, over 15 years. And I like to say that fleet management is hard, probably harder than it needs to be. So I try to break it down fleet manager style with a focus on everything from driver behavior and compliance to getting more out of our internal and external partners and our data. But today, exciting day, we are meeting with Danielle Wires. So on my podcast, I am thrilled today to introduce you to Danielle Wires. She is the director of fleet and logistics at Titan Solar Power out of Mesa, Arizona. So welcome, Danielle. Yay. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. A fellow woman in fleet. So I love that. Titan Solar Power is a people forward organization with a healthy culture. They specialize in residential rooftop solar solutions and they handle all aspects of their solar modular installations, which Danielle has a big part in running the fleet there. And Titan has been a customer of IntelliShifts now for a little over a year. So more about Danielle. All right. Welcome again. And thanks for taking the time to join us on the Straight Talk on Fleet. Just take a minute, Danielle, to introduce yourself and share with the audience a little bit about what makes you tick. All right. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I'm Danielle. I'm the Director of Fleet and Logistics at Titan Solar. I've been here a little over four years now. I actually started in payroll and HR world and then uh, there was uh, a position opening uh, for fleet manager. So I decided to make a career move there and apply for that and kind of just fell in love with the fleet management world. And uh, I'm uh, also a working mom. I have two little girls, two and three. So, you know, just juggling that uh, between, you know, being in a, a woman in fleet management and a mom, it's, uh, it's a full-time job for sure. Absolutely. I love that journey because I feel like none of us really ever set out to be a fleet manager. We worked in other roles in our organizations and for one reason or another, we were either drawn to or someone kind of led us into that role. Um, And I think it just makes it more interesting um, to have a diverse background and bring that into the fleet space because I think fleet managers have to wear so many different types of hats. So I know that it was sort of a big transition for you coming into this new position for your organization. And that transition kind of left you, I remember you telling me before when we were talking, just starting out as this kind of hungry new leader and trying to figure out that work-life balance sort of space. So talk a little bit about how that kind of went for you, that journey for you. Sure. Yeah. So I was new into fleet management and you know, I just always wanted to be available. I wanted to make a presence, you know, start creating a department 
and I felt like I had to put in a lot of hours, you know, be available all the time, no matter what time of day it was, whether it's five in the morning, all the way to 7 p.m. at night. And, you know, in the fleet world, when the trucks are moving, uh, problems may occur. So being available is kind of a necessity, but I would come home and I had obviously two little kids, a husband, a household to run. And I just felt like I had nothing left to give. So it took a while for me to kind of have this, learn this balance of, you know, work is work and home life is home life. And I'm a, I'm a mother as well as an employee. And I feel like I kind of just found that balance within the last six months to a year, but, you know, climbing up the ladder, I feel like anywhere and just being recognized for what you're doing. It, it also coincides with a lot of hours. I feel like. Absolutely. And, and I think sometimes it shouldn't, and there is some necessity. The grind is the grind. I think we all have to go through that, but I also think that women in fleet, women in industry, um, I feel like we always have to work a little bit harder than our male counterparts to be recognized. And especially in an area like automotive. I mean, I don't know your feelings on that. I would agree. Uh, I feel like it's, it's not the norm that women in automotive, women in fleet, uh, we're a very small percentage. So to be respected right out of the gate, unfortunately, I don't feel like is, is happening. So yeah, I, I do agree. We have to work that much harder to be heard and recognized and respected. Yeah. Oftentimes while juggling what you're juggling, you know, family and children and trying to feel like we have to be two places at one time and be passionate about so many things. You know, you talked about, you know, this comfort level of work-life balance just kind of happened in the last sort of six months to a year. What are the, some of the things that you were able to do to bring about that balance? Like maybe um, the team that you're building, but touch on yes. some of the things that have helped you kind of manage and um, all these multiple priorities in your life. Yeah, so the team 100% is what's helped me gain balance. Uh, I have a, a proud team of 14. And with me and another person starting the department, that has been a, a huge accomplishment. And I rely on my team for, for everything. They're all really good people. We're all strategically placed throughout the country. So uh, different time zones and things like that. And they all understand the goal and the mission. And that's been something that helps me not always have to be involved in everything. Um, I can just kind of oversee and guide when needed. So that's been helpful with balancing work and life. And um, yeah, just kind of coming up with a schedule really like I got to get the kids to daycare. I got to you know, answer emails, you know, do the, uh, the calendar is very important and timing things right. Not overbooking myself has been a big thing too. Yeah. So <laughs> if, I, if I have to say, no, I can't do it today. That's okay. Yeah. And learning that I feel like is not always easy for people to say no, or say, I don't have the time today or the capacity to do that. First off, I just want to say kudos to you for um, maturing to that level so quickly because it took me a lot longer than it's taken you to learn to say no and to say no about the right things and at the right times and in the right way. So that that's huge. And that takes a lot of courage and practice 
so I think, you know, one surrounding yourself with a great team is something I talk a lot about on my podcast as being kind of the key to, to setting yourself up for success. But like you mentioned, not only just having this great team, but everybody having the same vision and being on board with the mission is so, so important. And, and on that note, I know when we talked before, you mentioned this notion of um, solar first as a term in your organization and supporting operations. So talk about like the most fulfilling thing about the support that you provide um, to your customer under this solar first MO. Yeah, so solar is our business um, providing renewable energy for consumers. But fleet, I feel like, is a very big part of this operation and how we grow. It's fulfilling because without vehicles, you can't get to the jobs. You can't get product. You can't really do anything. No one's going to walk to the job site with, you know, carrying a panel on their back. So fleet and you know, providing a safe vehicle, providing uh, a vehicle that's not going to break down, adding hours or payroll to the job costs. That's always, in my mind, been a very important thing for our business and any business. Absolutely. Um, And I feel like when you're a fleet leader, you have to wear that fleet safety and operations sort of hat all the time. Um, despite all the interactions that you have to make within your organization to make things happen with legal and HR and finance to get everything across the finish line. But I mean, who in your organization does you and your team collaborate with most, you think? I would say operations and HR. I would collaborate the most with uh, those departments. And yeah, Yeah. being, being aligned and communication is the most important thing, especially if when it comes to compliance and safety, we all have to understand like we get production is important. That's how we generate revenue. And it's very important to every business, but we can't sacrifice safety anytime for that. So if a vehicle is deemed unsafe or unfit to drive, I got to make that call and everybody else has to understand why. Yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, it's always the best call because, you know, putting yourself at risk, not only, you know, think about that accident or breakdown you might've had Mm -hmm. and, you know, the cost and risk to your organization. And you used um, this revenue generation word. We've talked about how we feel like, hey, we're just a cost center. We spend a lot of the organization's money, but actually all of the things that we're doing are helping to cut costs for the organization and with assets that are necessary for the organization to be successful, especially in residential service, like what you're doing, you know, just so, so critical. So those are always good calls. So I'd love to hear you say that. So kind of along these same lines, where are you focusing most of your time right now in managing your fleet? Right now, I would say, you know, managing accidents, figuring out the root causes to why they're happening, Um, pulling together those metrics to ensure that we are providing the most safe vehicles possible and our drivers are are being as safe behind the wheel. So accident management, unfortunately, takes up a lot of time. And it's not like, oh, cars crash and that's it. You know, there's so much more involved when an accident does occur, whether it's a small accident or a totaled vehicle. Absolutely. And I think that you know, when you can root cause accidents, you identify those trends 
And maybe it's a change in a technology that you need to make, or maybe you have too much emphasis on one behavior in your scorecard than another. And um, taking the time and the due diligence to to dig into those things can help you make adjustments on the fly with tech that can then set you up for the next kind of era of a time or fleet drivers to, to identify the things that are causing accidents. And we know innately, you and I, that that even though we're putting all these measures in place, accidents still happen. And driver distraction has played a big role in that. We're seeing these trends in the industry. And that's that's been a top challenge for fleet managers for, for a long time, but is more prevalent now due to everybody on the roadways, not just our drivers, reading books and putting on makeup and blowing their hair. I mean, I can't... The things that we see people doing while they're supposed to be driving, right? It's incredible. Sometimes you look over and you're like, are you really doing that while you're going 65 miles an hour? Shaving. I've seen it. I've seen it all. And it's kind of my my kids and I, we, we do that. We, we, we kind of, it's almost like a game. We Mm -hmm. look to see what people are doing instead of driving, but it's a good lesson um, to start to socialize with our families about, okay, that behavior is not okay. It causes accidents or when you see someone up ahead of you making a swerve, kids, let's see what they're doing. You know, so I'm driving by their car safely and they're looking over, oh, mom, they're swerving because they're doing X, Y, Z other than than driving. And driving, yeah. Yes. So that's one big challenge that we face. What are some of the other um, challenges right now that you're you're dealing with in your organization? Yeah, I'd say the, the second most challenging thing that's been within the last year or two has been the supply chain. So we do allocations with the manufacturers to get certain vehicles, certain types with, you know, upfits and whatever we need to best suit our company. Well, when we ordered these vehicles uh, over a year and a half ago, we're just finally getting them now, but business needs have changed. So I'm faced with trying to move these vehicles around to make it make sense. Vehicle utilization is obviously very important. If the vehicle's not out in production, they're not making money, and then it is it is just a cost. As well as lead times on upfits, I feel like they're taking much longer, 12 to 16 weeks. So without those, I can't put the vehicles into to service, so they're essentially just sitting there, uh, as well as transportation costs. So if I do need to move a few vehicles from west coast to east coast we're just getting hit with thousands of dollars in transport cost yeah so how has that been kind of socializing those shifts in expense with your organization because naturally you have transportation costs you Mm -hmm. then have to treat vehicles a little differently right so you have to make vehicles that you would have retired last longer so how's that going with you know conversations within your organization around some of that expense shift? It's just transparency, being honest, communicating uh, proactively. I feel like uh, most of the stuff's out of our control as fleet managers. We just have to deliver the message. So um, fortunately, my company's been understanding as long as I provide the reasons why and my solution to the problem, they've been pretty understanding. And then as well as really driving home preventative maintenance, hitting those schedules has been even more important than it was before. So my team, as well as our operations team, we've been 
hyper-focused on that just to keep those vehicles running for longer than we intended to until we get these new assets in and, and ready to swap out. Yeah. So, I mean, you talked about a lot of these things being out of our control. And I, I talk about that a lot of my pod- podcasts, this idea of like fundamental things we can do that help us ride these waves of high fuel prices and supply chain issues. There's always going to be those things that will always be good decisions in terms of your fleet management. And you talked about PMs as that's a prime example. So, you know, what are things that, you know, you may not have today that could help you solve for some of the issues that you're dealing with? I would say if I could just get the uh, manufacturers to hurry up a little bit on those upfits, that would be something I would love to have today. And I guess just having more uh, buy-in and understanding from not so much my top leadership, but from like middle management as to why we're still renting so long and, you know, why we're utilizing these old vehicles, aging vehicles so much longer, just understanding more. But unfortunately, no one has the time to take to understand my world and fleet. Everybody has their own jobs to do, right? So I really just have to try to condense in as much as possible and, and try to explain why this is all happening. Yeah. And, and I think you mentioned that there's, you know, people that you interact with HR and operations a lot. You know, I think that in my past, I've I've pushed HR to kind of help me with that um, communication piece. It's like, hey, HR, if you could get with internal communications, if those things, you know, exist in your organization and work together to help me tell this message so that those frontline managers aren't out there just thinking that they're on an island, that no, we're here to support them, but there's just certain things going on right now that we can't control. So that's something that, you know, I encourage fleet managers out there that are listening to this podcast that work with your internal teams to help you um, solve some of those communication barriers that you're having when um, vehicles aren't arriving or we're having to really hyper-focus, like you said, Danielle, on things like PMs and we're pushing on some different levers than we were before, but there's a reason for that. So, you know, lean on your organization, um, organizational partners to help you tell that story. And then we talked, you know, again, about fleets being a cost center. And in your organization, I'm sure that's probably true too, but you've also, also mentioned that when you're transparent, you have good communication, they can understand how you're contributing. Cause I really look at fleet doing things like increasing safety, efficiency, and reducing cost as revenue generation type of activities. So on that note, talk a little bit about what's been a successful initiative for you in the last couple of years. Yeah, so I'd say the a successful one is uh, we've been looking at idling and we'd never looked at it before as something I'd never thought of until, until we got IntelliShift. And we were able to reduce our unnecessary or egregious idling by about 4,000 hours per month. So it's obviously a significant savings as well as helping the environment. And we recently just kind of pivoted to communicate that to our drivers that we are a renewable energy company. So with with this initiative, it, it just makes sense for us to really you know, turn the vehicle off. You don't need to sit in front of the job site, just having it on for hours and hours and hours. With that being said, we don't want to sacrifice their safety. 
Uh, so if it's hot temperatures, cold temperatures, we're all taking that in con into consideration. But I feel like that's just been an eye-opening thing because I never really thought about idling before we started looking into it and, and really seeing how much, how many hours these engines are overdoing it unnecessarily. So with that 4,000 hours, what is that in terms, do you know those um, numbers in terms of like how much money that you were able to save the organization off the top I of your say head? It was around, it was around like 17 to $20,000 in that's just in fuel cost, like gallons saved. But yeah, they're, I mean, emissions to the environment. I can't quantify that, but I'm sure it's, it's a high amount of savings for the earth as mm -hmm. well as yeah, that unnecessary stress on the engine. Like it's, it's still working. The oil still, you know, being burned and um, it affects other components within the engine that, you know, most people that aren't in fleet, they're not thinking about this stuff. Yeah. Engine idle, engine hours and wear and tear on the vehicle is huge. So congratulations on that. And I love how you tied together the operational aspects, the operational KPIs for your organization. You're like, hey, we're renewable energy. What kind of message does it send if the company's doing this for the environment and we have this fleet of vehicles that's just out there, you know, idling? So I think, and I've talked about this on prior podcasts, and I love to share this with the fleet community. So for those of you listening, I mean, when you can tie an operational goal or company vision or KPI to a fleet KPI, then when you go out there, Danielle, and you're communicating this turn your vehicle off message and reduce idling message, people can understand better and be more supportive and buy in when you can tie it with, hey, we're a renewable energy company and this just makes sense. And oh, it's the right thing to do and it saves money and reduces wear and tear on the engines and all those things. So right. that's really cool. Yeah, I feel like that message, uh, pivoting it from a cost savings to a, an operational uh, goal, it really helped people's mindset change. Because at first they're just like, oh, you you guys just want to save money. But no, that's not that's not the only goal here. There's there's multiple things involved. And yeah, it's just doing the right thing. Yeah, that's awesome. And showing that driver how they've contributed to that um, starts to make them feel more part of the overall company mission, which right. I think is awesome. Mm -hmm. So how did having IntelliShift as a partner help you achieve success in this initiative or, or other things that you've been um, working on? Uh, I'd say having the data, having those metrics readily available, being able to pull reports or see it right there as a dashboard, just a quick view. Um, just the awareness of it, IntelliShift's really provided that for our organization. Um, before we came on board with IntelliShift, we had a very basic GPS tracking system and it would ping, you know, where the vehicles were and that was about it. So IntelliShift's just taken us to that next level as being aware and being able to have initiatives now. Um, <laughs> as well as I'd say the second biggest thing is having digital inspections, getting away from those paper vehicle inspections and uh, no more excuses of, oh, I lost that paper or I don't have a pen. <laughs> it's like, no, it's on your iPad. You guys take it to work every day. You use it on your job site. So make sure you're doing this daily to prevent things from happening. Yeah, I, I love that. Digital inspections, I always talk about this and I'm always like, they're the very foundational 
thing. Like mm-hmm. if fleets aren't doing digital inspections or inspections of some sort on a daily basis, and depending on the, the types of vehicles they run, it could be more frequent, but you know, that's just so incredibly foundational because it gives you good information. It gives you data to solve problems, preventing breakdowns and um, incidents and accidents that could harm drivers and the effect that it has on the success of your maintenance program. Program I can't even imagine at this point or many in at any point in my career, like not doing inspections. And I know it's not easy. We had a hard time when I was running a fleet getting compliance around inspections. But like you said, hey, we moved to digital. There's no excuses. We've given you a device. You can get out, walk around your vehicle and get this done with ease. And then if you tell us something's wrong, we can actually help you to fix it, which makes drivers feel heard, right? Exactly. Yeah. It makes them feel like the company does care about them and their safety. So it's really a win-win, but it it does take time to get that buy-in and get those employees to understand the why behind it and why it's so important for them to do it. And it really only takes five minutes. It's like (laughs) five minutes out of your day before you leave. Which is like 10 or 15 minutes less than it took them to do the paper inspection. So they should be totally stoked about that, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Those are great things and such fundamental things. I love to hear that you're doing those and, and then tying back to company goals. It's like, these are great best practices for those of you listening out here to do, um, you know, with someone who's fairly new to fleet like Danielle, but is certainly getting it, not only getting fleet management, but getting work like life balance. So I'm learning from you too, Danielle, um, being reminded about the things that I need to do being a mom, um, a full-time working mom. So one last thing I want to talk about, you know, we talked about IntelliShift and what we um, do to help you achieve success, but what, you know, what is your favorite thing about working with our company? I'd love to hear that. Yeah. My favorite thing is just the ongoing partnership. So we vetted a lot of companies before we went with IntelliShift and I feel like they all have that same, you know, speech that we're going to be with you throughout the onboarding process, implementation and, you know, throughout, but IntelliShift really has been, I still have weekly meetings every single week with our account manager. We go over what's working, what's not working. And it really has been like an ongoing partnership. And I still feel as important as we were the day we signed the the contract. Love that. You know, as a person who in my past was dealing with a pretty large subset of supplier partners, you know, the ones that bubbled to the top were always the ones that maybe they didn't always say yes or couldn't say yes to everything, but they were in conversation with us saying, hey, I I might not be able to do that now, but let's figure out what you're trying to solve for. And maybe we can put in an enhancement or work together to solve a problem versus just not being in that consistent conversation. So I love to hear that. That makes me feel good about IntelliShift, you know, working for IntelliShift, but it also, you know, as a person who's worked with a lot of suppliers, that's, that's the best thing. That's the thing is the, the relationship and the partnership piece. Yeah. That ongoing communication. Cause yeah, like you mentioned, I I'd say Sometimes maybe we're just too caught up. We're too busy in the day to day that we're like, oh, that's a problem, but I don't have the time to address it. So having like a consistent weekly or biweekly meeting with 
the the vendor i feel like is very important because that's a time dedicated that we can discuss any issues or bring up something that we may not have if we didn't have that set time yeah that's great well i'm glad that that we can do that and just of course always let us know what we could be you know, doing better. And it sounds like having that weekly conversation allows you to do that. But yeah, but, but first and foremost, Daniel, thank you so much for spending time with us. It's just so great and so refreshing to talk to a woman in fleet, somebody who's passionate about what she does, passionate about her family and kind of making it all work. You're an inspiration to me for sure. And, and a great reminder of um, just, you know, keeping it real with, you know, what's what's important in life. So again, thank you. And for everyone listening out there, we appreciate you listening, you know, like or follow wherever you um, find your content. But, but again, Daniel, thank you. And uh, Fleet Community, until next time, let's keep it real, keep it safe for Fleet's sake. So thank you for listening. Bye, thank you so much. Thanks, Daniel. Bye.